Hello there. Welcome to the Narrow Road podcast series, where we are committed to exploring our faith, our finance, and everything in between in the pursuit of legacy wealth. I am Pamela Jolly, creator and author of The Narrow Road. Thank you for joining this journey with us. This first series is focused on exploring my new book, The Narrow Road, a six-part series. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Jolly, and I am here with a dear friend and colleague, Nikita Thickpin. And we're going to spend some time together talking about my book, The Narrow Road. Nikita, before we get started, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Pam, for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. As usual, our conversations are incredible. And I welcome the opportunity to opening up those conversations for other people to kind of get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with powerful people. Uh, My name, of course, is Nikita Thigpen. I'm an advisor to advisors. Most of them happen to be CEOs and other business leaders. And to keep it short and simple, I help them to focus, to balance, and to prosper personally and professionally. Excellent. And I'm really grateful that you're here on this call with me because it really was through meeting you at a conference and talking about the Narrow Road work and my book that we came to this session and this wonderful idea of talking about the different chapters of my book so that people can really get a sense of the intention and the purpose um, of my prayer for this book and what I hope it will do for others as it has done for me in building it and designing it. Which is awesome. I want to know more about this book. Um, You and I have been talking about the idea of financial planning, wealth building, and the kind of the divide that has existed for quite some time. And I know and believe, based on the information that I've gathered from you, Um, in our private conversations as well as, you know, I'm a little bit of a professional stalker, so I've professionally stalked you online (laughs) to find out your your credibility. Um, So with that said, I'm I'm really curious about what made you really want to create a book that will help people truly create wealth and not just income. Well, you know, The Narrow Road really uh, is the byproduct of uh, my life journey, searching for purpose, I sought a way to combine my love of God, business, and people um, in a way that could really help us live more purposeful lives. And my search revealed that when it comes to our relationship with money and exchanges of value, we are more alike than different. And so Mm -hmm. as a result, um, I wanted to see how those similarities and how those differences could be used to reveal um, our changes, scratch that, could be used to reveal, you know, how we could work together, what does wealth look like, and how do we move forward. So, you know, 10 years ago, I launched my own business, and I really wanted to assist my parents and my grandparents' generation in taking their businesses to the next level. I wanted to work with my classmates from Hampton and Wharton, and I wanted us to build wealth together. I wanted us to create institutions that our children and our children's children could work for, own, and really create these communities 
these promised lands that our ancestors have talked about for so long. And there were roadblocks in the way of that journey over the last 11 years. And when I found that I thought we could get past these roadblocks, I found that I was not, it was not an easy way for us to go. And so this search and this journey of how wealth is created for people who love each other, love their community, love their history, and love their legacy um, revealed that there were some inconsistencies and there were some blind spots. And I sought a way to be able to help us uh, get beyond those blind spots so that our communities could reflect our legacies, our histories, um, and the roadmaps that we have traveled and the roadmaps we have yet to design. What do you, you know, I'm curious just personally, you know, what do you feel like wealth can really do for people in general? You know, obviously we know money buys things. We know money matters. Um, but, you know, there's a significant difference between wealth and income on multiple levels. And, you, you know, I'm talking to a woman who's all about numbers and, and money and data and, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, pulling together evidence-based information. So speak, you know, preaching to the choir for lack of a better pra- uh, phrase, um, but with that said, what can wealth really do? Like, why should people care to even build wealth versus just, listen, I'm just trying to get my bills paid and have enough cushion to hold me through a layoff? Yeah, you know, you know, money in some ways um, clarifies things for people. You know, the more money you have, the clearer mm-hmm. you can see what you want. But wealth unifies mm-hmm. people. You know, wealth, uh, as you will see in my book, you know, wealth is a journey of a series of financial decisions that build, grow, and expand over time. You know, when you are wealthy, you have a healthy relationship with who you are, what you're capable of bringing to the table, how you can best build upon that with others, what you need to learn to grow, and what is further down the road than what you're currently focusing on. So wealth really is a balanced, healthy relationship with money and all sources of currency and capital that you have at your disposal. When we focus just on money, I mean, money is just, you know, your time, time an hourly or an annual wage. But wealth is so much more than that. In my book, what you'll find is that I talk about the financial wilderness. And you remain stuck in the financial wilderness for as long as you believe that wealth is just financial, it's so much more than that. It's more than money. Uh, it really is a full life lived and a purpose uh, for life that is passed on for generations. This is phenomenal. Um, I know we're just sitting here talking and having a conversation that we're up in the door for other people, but I'm literally taking notes. <laughs> Um, which is incredible and awesome. Um, As a lifelong lifelong learner, you know, I'm encouraged by myself to always make sure that I stay in the moment and be present. Um, But this is, these are key points that I know that I can share with um, other colleagues as well as my business community and people that I advise. Because I think that there is a misunderstanding that you lend uh, the bridge to close the gap to. Um, on multiple levels, you know, so many people now, and especially because they're still very um, haunted, for lack of a better phrase, by the 2008 recession. There are many, many people, especially those who are um, technically, by other people's definition, 
already successful that are so fearful of um, creating wealth the way that they used to. And maybe the way they used to is part of the conversation today. Maybe that's the, an old way that shouldn't be repeated. I'm not sure. Um, but I know it's really important because it's keeping people from moving forward um, and taking whatever tactics that you're suggesting that they take to really build wealth so they can create the unity. Because a lot of companies, individuals, organizations, people in general are really self-absorbed. Um, and it's not necessarily intentional because of, you know, their personality, although for some people, let's be honest, that's the case. But for a lot of other people, it's because they're so afraid. They're afraid to share and to unify because they think that that means giving something away that they can't get back because perhaps that was the way they did things um, before and the recession hit. It rocked a ton of people I know. Um, for some for some of them, it almost depleted them to nothingness, so to speak, because of the way that they previously measured themselves. They measured themselves with their money, with their income, with their status. Um, and once that was drained because of the recession and all the things that hit them, they really had a, a really hard road, um, and the bounce back is still not quite there. And we're talking, um, this is 2015, so we're talking almost seven years later, and it's really affecting people on so many levels. So I'm grateful Yeah, I, the book. That was my long-winded way of saying that. <laughs> well, thank you, Nikita. And I think, you know, um, in so many ways um, when we look at our society and while I've studied all different segments of society, one of my uh, focused segments is that of the African-American community. It's a community that I've worked with the most, and it also is a community that I'm a part of and a community that I love. And when you think about where we are and how far we've come, you know, this is uncharted territory for us when we talk about wealth creation. Um, earning an income has not been anything uh, difficult for us. Creating wealth for others has not been difficult for us. But creating wealth for ourselves is a whole new territory that requires a different level of thinking and a different level of interaction. What I've found in my research and in my work is that wealth is a group process. And so if you don't have the connections, if you don't have the relationships, if you don't have the trust, it's hard to build the wealth because you don't quite understand it. It's the blind leading the blind. Mm -hmm. And so what my hope is is that the narrow road allows you to see where you can see clearly and where you are blind. And what do you need and who do you need to be able to collaborate with to be able to further define and refine your vision for wealth, your vision for legacy, and how those two come together. So there's a wonderful Bible verse that I love, and it's in Ecclesiastes. And it's Ecclesiastes 7, and it says says that he that is in the shadow of wisdom is in the shadow of money, for wisdom is the cause why riches come. And connecting to the wisdom, why we are here, why your parents did what they did for you so that you could do what you're going to do for your family and for your community, why our grandparents did things knowing that they would never see the things that we look at as commonplace today. This wisdom is what I call your legacy equity, and this needs to be further invested um, into our current situations and beyond because that wisdom is what got us where we are today, and that wisdom never fades. 
You know, it increases in value if we take the time to retain it. That's incredible um, on multiple levels. And then the other side of that is the challenge for people like me who had a a depleted equity source. (laughs) Um, For my parents and my grandparents weren't able to create um, that legacy equity, at least not by today's standards. Um, the, The wisdom and knowledge that may have been there for, you know, some other people weren't necessarily there for us because they were, they weren't really thinking about creating that. And I think legacy should be intentional. It may not always start that way, but it should develop into something that's um, with great intent, which you may agree with. Well, well, you know, this is what I'll say. My source of legacy was zero. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is what I say. In my research, I found that a lot of people feel like you do, Nikita. And, you know, for some, mm-hmm. the legacy wealth is plainly, you know, said. It's stressed um, and it's communicated at every dinner table. It's communicated at every conversation. But for some, you have to dig through to find it. It's still there. Um, what you'll find in my book is that legacy wealth takes three generations to build and only one generation to lose. And in the African-American community, one of the things that you'll find is that our inheritances are often received while our parents and grandparents are still living. There's a a cultural difference in how wealth is transferred in the African-American community when compared to other communities. So that's one of the biggest focuses about the narrow road. You know, it's time to define wealth our way so that it can be more of an attainable outcome for all of us. What I would challenge you to think about or consider is that even though there may not have been financial wealth or even though there may not have been wisdom that was passed on in a verbal sense, your your ability to see your parents and your grandparents influenced how you look at the world. That is a part of your inheritance. That is a part of your legacy that is used in the way you build wealth for yourself. So it is fruitful for you to go back and reflect, and that's really what the first chapter of the book is about. Uh, part one is, well, the part, my book is in parts, and so part one is about our history. It's time to reflect upon the past. As the elders often say, the way forward is back through. And if we think about how our ancestors did what they did so that we can do what we are doing, you start to unearth some of the seeds of your legacy wealth. Um, I am the great-great-granddaughter of sharecroppers. And my grandmother has a fifth-grade education. But she taught us finance, and she taught us the importance of saving and having burial insurance and owning a home. It's it's not ironic that her two granddaughters are Wharton grads. It's not ironic that we we that's ingrained in us simply by the way that she constantly said it. Whenever my grandfather saw us, he put a piece of money in our hand, and he wanted to see a piece of that piece when he saw us again. So he didn't want to just go spend it. He wanted us to save some of it. And he would always try to match it every time he came back. So he had a hurdle. And we had a hurdle. 
So when you think about those simple things, somebody in your life spoke into your life and gave you some clarity about the way in which you wanted to go once you left your family home. So our history, you know, is where our wisdom is. And that Bible verse really does really give us a a very telling piece that in the shadow of wisdom is the shadow of money. If you don't focus on those wisdoms in the dark places or the memories and the recessions of your mind, you know, you lose that wisdom because the wisdom is why the riches come. Mm. I agree with that. I do. I actually just had a conversation with um, my oldest son, who's 18, um, maybe a week ago at the table. He just kind of, he, he likes to ask such challenging questions. And he broke out um, kind of out of nowhere because we were talking about steak and potatoes, for example. And then he just broke out to me and his dad and said, you know, what comes first, wisdom or knowledge and why? Um, and I always reflect, I'm a very spiritual person, so I always reflect back to the Bible. Of knowledge is something that you can gain on your own through experiences and books and learned methods. But wisdom is from God. It's very spiritual. It's given to you from a source greater than you. Um, and that, that makes sense why for the way that you pave, you pave the path of building wealth, of true wealth. Um, but on the flip side, playing angelic advocate, right, there are people who would say, well, they don't necessarily believe in a higher power or, um, in my specific case, God, Jesus, and they don't necessarily think that their wealth has come because of, of that pathway. Um, and although we are on one accord with the fact that we believe in the same God and we believe in that pathway, we're not necessarily excluding other people's beliefs um, and where they, they believe wealth is created. But with that said, what about people who say that they have no belief or that they don't believe wisdom has anything to do with it? It was just kind of the luck of the draw and, you know, that that trade method of, you know, just go out and do good work and do hard work and things will happen for you. You know, there's a lot of different thoughts around it, and I know you can lend so much to that, which I'm sure as we walk through this process of the book, the book is really going to help um, shine some light on your process and why you think it's the most beneficial. Most definitely, but I do think that, you know, now is a good time to introduce that because, you know, my my research was about faith and finance, which is really people's relationship with money. And, you know, as a theologian, I have a master's in theology, and I got that purposefully because there are so many different belief systems around money, around abundance. And, you know, religion is what you do about God. Spirituality is what you feel about God. But theology is what you think about both. And so as a theologian, what I do with the narrow road is really help facilitate a further definition of what you think about your relationship with money, your belief system that underpins it. And what we'll see further on down this series of conversations as we go through the book is that everyone in some way has a level of faith as a currency in their wallet. You know, whenever anyone faces some type of financial insecurity or some type of challenge, you close your eyes and you believe in something. Whatever that is is your business, but I want you to clarify it so that you can unblind that faith to be able to move further down your narrow road towards the wealth that you desire. I am a believer, and Jesus is my Savior, 
But I also know, because of my relationship with Jesus, that God can be God all by God's self. And there's nowhere that he is not. Mm -hmm. So I don't get in God's way by telling you what to believe. What I do is help you pave a way for you to further clarify how you believe and the success that you want, which will yield the, the level of wealth you desire. That's awesome. And the words of one of my sisters, he says, mom, your business. <laughs> and that's exactly what I pull from that. Mind your business. I'll give my keys to whoever I want to give my keys to. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that, you know, we're, this series is so helpful to me, and I hope it's helpful to others, because I'll admittedly say one of my fears was that, you know, it's been 11 years on this journey. It's been six hardcore years of research and thousands of interviews that I've had and, you know, testing the narrow road quantitatively with over 25,000 people and the whole patenting process. and. You know, the book for me is so necessary. However, I wanted to make sure that the message in the book was clarified, that it wasn't too much academic speech, that it wasn't too much framework, that you got to hear my voice and my attention so that you could journey with me along the narrow road and build wealth your way. And so, you know, this book began as an idea, and I worked post-Katrina in New Orleans in the rebuild, and I started to see just how much people wanted to rebuild, but there were things that were in the way. And namely, those things were business and financial acumen. And when business and financial acumen, and I'll use several words repeatedly, acumen is the ability to make shrewd and strategic decisions. So not just a choice, but to decide on something. And when you make a decision, it's like an incision. You cut things off. So think about business and financial action. You know, financial is, is, finance is stewardship of large amounts of capital. And along my book and along the narrow road, you will soon learn that you have five forms of capital. So finance is nothing but stewardship of those forms of capital. And capital is nothing, it's a wealth, but it's the, in the form of money and other assets that are owned by a person or organization. So you own these sources of capital, but do you use them and are you productive with them? And so my desire was that everyone could rebuild however they want. And I found that everyone is in a certain level of rebuilding when it comes to their finances, when it comes to their career, when it comes to their family, their community, their profession, and their business. Their business. They're rebuilding. You know, it's not finished yet. I'm still working to develop it. And so I built the narrow road so that you could see where your weak places, your strong places, your opportunities, these pieces that you need help with could be made plain. And then over-indexed with that is hardcore business and financial acumen. You know, taking a Hampton marketing degree and a Wharton finance degree and distilling it into principles so that you can own it. You can move forward with it. And so, you know, this, this podcast is to give you an introduction to who I am and, and what I'm about and where my focus is, but it's also to give you a brief understanding of what part one of the book was about. And part one is about our history, which is the context of which we start. 
And you have a history, I have a history, but as Americans, we have a history. Mm-hmm. And that history began with founding fathers and a declaration of independence, but a business model. And for persons in the African-American community, you know, that business model began with us as an asset. And to move from being capital to making capital is quite a leap of faith. And to be emancipated and then to build a community of your own is quite an accomplishment. But oftentimes we don't look at our history through that lens. And so our, the, our history portion of my book looks at the history of America, the history of African Americans as a way to be able to illustrate the business model of America, the history of the Israelites moving from the wilderness to the promised land, and the history of our civil rights movement, because I connected the dots between a Martin Luther King who self-identified as a Moses and our now President Obama, who declared that this was a Joshua era. And for those of you unfamiliar with the biblical text of the promised land, Martin Luther King mentioned it. Our founding fathers believed the promised land was the American dream. But it was a group of people who left slavery in Egypt, went to the wilderness, and wandered for 40 years, just outside of the promised land for them. And they they wandered outside in circles in the wilderness for 40 years for fear of the giants that were already inhabiting their inherited land. And it wasn't until a rising generation came up and the prior generation actually had to die before they decided to pursue the promised land. And they took it in four successive battles, a, a matter of a series of days. And once they inherited the promised land, the real work began. And the real work was to be about your business, to really build a community from the old corner of the land. So I wanted to find a way to be able to materialize what Martin Luther King, what our founding fathers, and what the story of the Israelites' pursuit of the promised land could be in our real time. And so I asked 6,800 of us, what is the promised land? How do we get there together? How do we fund it? And what, if anything, do you feel you need to learn to feel more confident about your pursuit? In part one of the book, which is tabled our history, it helps you enter the narrow road and to reflect upon your past so that we can make a quantum leap into our future and take possession of the promised land however you define it. And the promised land is synonymous along the narrow road with your purpose. It's synonymous with legacy wealth, your way. And so these synonyms become these key points that we're looking at throughout the book. But our history sets the context that we have a common ground, that we come from a shared legacy, and that the roads we take post this common ground is entirely up to you. I'm excited. Let's get it going. I want to learn how to build wealth the Pamela Jolly way. (laughs) Excellent. Well, if you're listening and you feel as Nikita does, and I hope you do, um, there's a website. It's Wealth with Pamela Jolly. Please go to that website and sign up to be alerted to ways that you can chart your path along the narrow road, ways you can get the book. And I will be offering uh, an intensive, almost like a mastermind, to really help people master this methodology that I patented so that you can build wealth your way. As we said earlier in this podcast, wealth is a group process. 
it really does take teamwork to make the dream work, but it also takes teamwork to define the wealth and pursue it together. No one builds wealth on their own. They need systems, processes, people, and outcomes to pursue together. And so I want to build these wealth groups in communities across this country. I want you to write your vision and make it plain. And I want the wealth to be the type of wealth, which is what I call legacy wealth. I want it to pass on for generations, which means that it has to be shared across socioeconomic levels as well as generations. You know, your baby's babies need to understand what this vision is so that they can prioritize it in their life plans. So wealthwithpamelajolly.com. Please go there and sign up to be made aware of additional ways that you can become a part of the Narrow Road movement. But also please take time to meet us next week and to listen to the next step along the road where we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the history part of the book where I talk about the portfolio of talents that you have, those five currencies that I talked about, those five capitals that you have, and share a little more about our history, this life, liberty, and pursuit. What is it really all about? But each week, Nikita and I are going to be coming back to really distill and break down the different parts of this book so that when you buy it, you have a voice to be able to help you guide it through. And if you do want to join the journey, you have a way to be able to do it. Until next time, I'm really grateful for you listening thus far. It's been a pleasure, Nikita. I thank you so much for opening up my eyes to a way to be able to connect with future purchasers of this book and future journeyers along the narrow road. And I'm looking forward to next week and us being able to explore yet another dimension of the narrow road, which is written in my book. Thank you, Pam. I'm looking forward to it in a most existential way because I know you're going to take me through a path that even I, with all of my knowledge, have not been able to see clearly. So I'm excited because it's a resource for my community as well. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, um, continue your journey. Wide is the gate of life. Now is the road to legacy wealth. Few find it and even fewer take it. But today you caught a glimpse. And I hope you continue to journey further. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I look forward to seeing you further down the narrow road. Until next time, take care, God bless, and continue to have a jolly good day.